So once I started talking more about this issue and had people, you know, resonating with it and ask me questions about it. And, and I was finding so many women who just like me loved yoga, thought yoga was so good for them. But once they had a baby, they went back to it and it made them feel worse. So they were giving up their yoga practice. It was when I was like, okay, no, this is a real thing. And, and this is something that isn't really out there that I can not just, you know, give to people, but but I'm very well suited for it because it is about, it's so much about alignment and, and anatomy and that stuff that I love anyway. Hey, this is Heath Padgett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 126. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs where each week I sit down and talk with people who run their business from everywhere, sometimes the U.S. in an RV, sometimes internationally, like we're about to be in New Zealand traveling in a camper van. But the whole idea is being able to craft a business and skill set that allows you to work from anywhere. On today's episode, I'm interviewing Catherine Middlebrooks. Catherine is the founder of BRB Yoga, an online yoga studio that specializes in helping moms recover their core after having a baby. A few years ago, Catherine was living in Nashville, Tennessee with her family, teaching yoga in a studio there until she realized that she wanted to have more time. So she started a online yoga studio that would allow her to teach from anywhere, only to realize that a lot of other people have done that too. (laughs) And it was really crowded to stand out in this niche because these larger companies had big production budgets that they would spend tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars to shoot a yoga class. However, Catherine was able to dive much deeper into this niche of online yoga by solving a big problem that many moms face after having a baby, which is being able to redevelop their core so they can be active again after giving birth. In today's episode, we talk about how Catherine was able to create a flagship product and an ongoing sales funnel to bring on new customers, how you can leverage the power of webinars to bring in new customers and create evergreen funnels and how Catherine was able to stand out in this crowded niche by solving her own pain point. All right, let's get into today's episode with Catherine Middlebrooks. Catherine, thanks for being on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Heath. You know, we have been, we were part of your Facebook group before we even began thinking, well, not before we began thinking, but before we took the leap. So it is really exciting to be able to speak to you today and actually be on this side of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, the Facebook group has been like one of those things that was kind of created on a whim, but it's Mm -hmm. ended up being really, really valuable. Like I found both of my business partners in that Facebook group and just, you know, the this podcast was born from it. Our conference was born from it. And I struggle with that because like over the past couple of weeks, it's gotten to the point where we're about to hit 10,000 members, which is cool. And, and it's not like unbelievably huge. There's communities with millions of people. So it's not like crazy big or anything like that. But it has gotten to the point and maybe we just need to have more moderators as part of it where it's. Like, I feel like if I go out for a day or two and like something happens in the group, it's almost like leaving kids behind. Like you're just waiting to come back to a mess because like somebody said something that hurt somebody else's feelings. And I'm, uh, you brought up the group on, I guess, like the wrong day. Sorry. (laughs) No, I completely understand that. I had a Facebook group for a while that was not a paid, but I have, I still have two that are for my, my current students, but I had a free one for a while and it actually drained me so much for that exact reason. And it was nowhere near as big. I think I had like maybe about a thousand people. And it was one of those things where it was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I have to be in here every 
single day just to support and be the leader. Because when you're not, it is, it's like, it goes wild. The authorities are going to be called in. (laughs) And one thing, and I know this isn't like the purpose of today's conversation, but it's kind of an interesting little segue because I was talking to Cherie, who her and her, uh, Cherie and Chris run Technomadia, Uh uh, and they have a paid Facebook group as well as like a free one. The free one has like lots of members and then they have their mobile internet resource center uh, that has a lot of you know, people in there as well as their membership. So it's kind of like a paid wall to get into like a higher tiered community for that, that Facebook group. And she was just saying how valuable that community has been and like how just by people paying and having like a vested interest, there's a higher quality, plus they're getting paid for their time so they can hire help and allocate more resources. And, and that's something I've definitely been thinking about a lot. Like, well, what does that look like for us? Because like, I love this community. I love this idea of having these people be together but it's also, it's just a lot of time. And I've told Alyssa, it's like, if this ever gets to a point where it's not worth it because it's bringing, it's bringing us down or there's too much drama or there anything like that, it's just like, it, you know, being okay with walking away or coming up with another solution. Yeah. Well, in fact, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but they, I, they ha- there is a model that I've seen in another Facebook group that it works really well for, for this woman who runs it because she gets like these you know, she gets like, I don't know, eight people or something and they become the moderator each week and they rotate through. So it's like one person one week, then they switch it and they keep control over the group so that the owner of the business can pop in as needed, but doesn't have to be doing all that moderation because that really, it just is so much time and energy for something that you, you really aren't getting paid for. It's, it's a challenge. Totally. And it's just hard because like you said, there's there's so much value for having the community. And, you know, if you're transitioning into traveling in an RV and you know nobody who is doing that and then you all of a sudden find this group of people who understand and get it and want to support you, that's super meaningful. It is. And that was meaningful for us to just to be in a place where they're, you're not crazy for wanting to, to set out on this life. So I do appreciate you for going through the crazy of running the Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're welcome. Uh, but uh, speaking of you guys getting on the road, and uh, so you guys have been on the road for like nine months. And what was kind of the impetus for you guys to want to hop in an RV and go travel the country? Yeah, so for us, it was a long time in the works, actually. So my daughter, we have two kids, we have a five year old and a three year old. And when my daughter was about probably six months old, we, I was, we were both working full time and we kind of just sat down, my husband and Paul and I, and we were like, is this the life that we really want to leave and lead? Like we, we just saw, you know, we had the house, we had one kid, we were going to have another one. We both had our jobs and we saw that that was kind of our future. And we decided to, to sit down and, and take a really good look at it and think about, is this what we want to do? And at that point, we we decided, no, we wanted to try something else. And so that's when we started diving into online businesses. And after a few years in that and starting to get a little bit of success, it was like, okay, well, so we did this for freedom. What is that going to look like for us? And we didn't, we were living in Nashville and we didn't really see ourselves staying there and we didn't know where else we would go. And so it was like, well, we could hop in an RV and like shop around different cities and and see really what ends up feeling right to us. And so that that was really the what started it all that sort of conversation. And 
And so then it was a few more years of actually planning and building up the business more and getting all of the pieces in place before we set off um, last June. Yeah, so we've been doing it now for nine months. Um, So we really just wanted to live the freedom that we had been working our butts off to create, basically. I think it's really easy to, you know, work insanely hard to to attain that freedom. And sometimes that process, it, speaking from my own experience, it can take so long that by the time you reach it and you, you kind of stay, take a step back and realize, okay, this is actually what I was working really hard to enjoy. <laughs> but it's like, it kind of takes a lot of self-awareness and courage, I think, to to take a step back and, and actually look at the situation and be like, okay, is this enough freedom? Like, have I, or have, right. I guess for me, it's like just even a few years ago, looking at my notes, I, I found an old computer where we're visiting my in-laws right now. And I found a computer from 2014 or 2013. It was basically a note, like, what would it look like to travel for an extended period of time? I, I saw that in my Evernote. And, um, it was just one of those things that it's like, at one point, this was a big, crazy dream and now it's real, but how do you, you know, like it takes courage for you guys to say like, okay, well, let's not just try to make more money, but like, let's actually enjoy this freedom that we have. Yeah, no. And it continues. I mean, to be perfectly honest, it continues to be a struggle. I think that we're getting much better at it now. Like the past three months, I would say we've gotten better at, but those first six months that we were in the RV, we we weren't good at it because, you know, we say we probably took the leap before we should have just in terms of the amount of revenue that we had coming in. And so we didn't feel like 100% comfortable. And so we were hustling hard those first six months and not really enjoying all of these beautiful places where we were staying. And so it's been a lot of self-reflection and really trying to, to also, like you say, like take that step back and really realize like, this is what we are working for. And if we are working so hard that we can't enjoy it, what is the point of all of that? In retrospect, would you guys kind of wish you had waited until you got a little bit further along in your business for hopping in so you could enjoy it more? Or do you feel like it's been okay? It's been okay. It's totally, <laughs> it's totally been okay. I, I think more than anything, it is a mindset shift uh, more than anything, because it's so easy when when you are completely relying on. So ours is an online business, and it so it's all us, right? And and when that is all you are relying on, it is always easy to feel like you should be doing more or you need to be making more money. And so what I've personally been working on a lot over the past few months is really shifting to that sense of abundance and gratitude of like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I like looked back at through our pictures over the past nine months the other day. And it was just like, look at all these beautiful places we've been, look at all these places we've been able to take our children and, and really just grounding ourselves in the fact that we have plenty, we are earning enough to support this life and it's continuing to grow. So it is more, I think that it is less about waiting until it's ready and really more about shifting your mindset to really appreciate and be grateful for what you're currently living. Gratitude is one of those things I'm really interested in right now on just how to kind of use it as a tool in my own life to bring myself back. Like if I'm feeling negative feelings, I'm trying to use gratitude almost as a one-stop shop to just write down and literally say like, here's 50 things that I should be grateful for in this moment. Because whatever negative thing I'm feeling, I have a hundred times more that I could be grateful for. I'm just curious, do you have, have you found any like practical exercises for how to practice gratitude or is it just like, I'm trying to be grateful in this moment? 
So this is funny because, um, so I, I actually just recently started a personal, it's like a personal and business sort of transformation coaching program. So it's a very woo woo. And I'm not in general, a very woo woo person, even though I am a yoga instructor, I'm pretty scientific, but the tool that we have been taught in this program is like changing my mind. And it's actually self hypnosis, which sounds so crazy, but it is extremely powerful just in terms of getting you to not just like appreciate what you currently have, but also envisioning a lot of positivity for your future. Uh, and so it's, it's a really powerful tool for like reprogramming a lot of those unconscious thought patterns that you have. Very interesting. I can't let this go quite yet. I know we talked, we want to, we want to like get into some nitty gritty <laughs> business stuff, but, we but, but I, but I want to just give me a little insight. Like what is, what does that look like? How do you actually carry something out like this out? Like if you had to teach me how to do this in right. 60 seconds, what does that look like? Be woo woo with me. It's so woo woo. Okay. Um, I like, I'm really not that comfortable being this woo woo, but I will do it for you. Okay. So the way that I have been taught is basically, so <laughs> I was told that you download this, it's like a 20 minute download that teaches you how to basically put yourself into a hypnotic state. They call it a trance, which also I like can't talk, say without laughing. It almost seems like a form of meditation, just hearing about it. Like that, that's what it kind of seems like, right? It's very similar to meditation. And yeah, and so this is the thing. So meditation tends to be more passive, right? You're working to clear your mind and just be really present in that moment. But with self-hypnosis, you're actually, it's a little bit more active because you are actually working to visualize and uh, picture a future version of yourself or, or just picture kind of positive feelings within you. Uh, and so it works very similar, but we basically you use this download for like 10 days to teach yourself to do it. And then you can kind of go into it really quickly. And all it is, it's not like you're not, you know, you couldn't tell me to go jump into a lake. It really is just a shifting of your brain waves. So you go from your normal brain waves down to a slower brain wave. And it's it's just full body relaxation and and then your brain, I don't know exactly the science of it, but basically it's like you are more open to creating shifts in your thought patterns when you're in that brain state. My husband's a neuroscientist and he's going to listen to this and be like, oh my gosh, everything you just said is not true. <laughs> <laughs> I think having lots of overcomplicated words sometimes describe things is not always a good thing. Like Alyssa, this is a kind of a non sequitur, but Alyssa and I use a WeBoost Sol Booster on the road. And her tagline that she made up for them is it takes you from one bar to three bars. And it's not like super technical. It's like, you right. know, they'll give you way more of an explanation for it. It's like amplifies your cell signal by 32x, right. like blah, blah, blah. You know, but sometimes it's good to just know, like, it makes you feel good. It puts you in a positive state. It makes you open to things. And that's the truth. And, you know, uh, I was actually, we were at a conference a couple months ago and listening to uh, Donald Miller speak. And anyway, he was basically just talking about like, he talks about story and he was basically just saying like the clearest communication wins, you know what I mean? Right. And so anyway, now that we've thoroughly went deep down a rabbit hole, totally. I was going to ask you, so you help women after they give birth and help yeah. them recoup their strength through yoga and alignment. Is that kind of a yeah. good high level? Yeah. If we were to just meet, I know you're in Williams, Arizona right now, next to the Grand yeah. Canyon. We've broken down there before in our RV. But if we just kind of like met, we're hanging out, like how would you kind of describe your business and what you do? 
Yeah. So I, you did a very good job. I um, help new moms and, and actually moms, any mom, they can be an older mom, uh, restore their core strength and their pelvic floor strength after they have kids with yoga. So for many women, when they are pregnant, their abdominal muscles separate. And after you have the baby, for some women, it they come right back together. But for a lot of women, they don't. They stay separated. And that can cause all sorts of problems like back pain, hip pain, generally just feeling unsupported in your core. So I use yoga. I have a program called Heal Your Core with Yoga that, that basically teaches these women how to restore their core using yoga. So did you teach yoga in Nashville in person like before this? Or did was it just something that you did or... Yeah, no, I've been a yoga instructor and other things, but I've been an instructor for um, over 11 years. So I've been teaching for quite some time and I've always been really interested in body alignment and anatomy. And when I had my daughter, I jumped back into yoga, of course, because it was what I loved. And I had, I had this, it's called diastasis recti, this abdominal separation, and I had it and my yoga practice was just making me worse. So I felt weaker. Every time I did yoga, I felt like my strength wasn't coming back. And so I had to kind of dive into all the research about that and, and realize that the yoga that I was doing was actually creating more damage rather than making me better. So at one point you were, you're teaching yoga and you start like kind of thinking like, maybe I don't want to be teaching in person anymore. Like why not create something online? Like what, what, what kind of started pushing this into your mind? So no, it didn't actually happen that way. So at the time I was also working a full-time job in market research type. It was a market research type job, research-based. I have a degree in experimental psychology. So statistics and things like that are kind of my jam. And I was working full-time. I had been teaching a couple of yoga classes in addition to that before I had my daughter. But then when I had my daughter, it was like, well, you know, one, I'm at work all day. I'm not going to go teach a yoga class to her when I haven't been with her all day. It's just not worth it to me. So at that point, it was like, well, do I just stop teaching yoga? Do I wait until she's bigger? But then my husband and I had that conversation about, okay, well, we really want to be able to be more free than we are right now. When we had that conversation, it was like, well, what can we do, right? What can we, what can we create as a business? And actually the first iteration of the business was very much self-serving. It was, I was a working mom and I was struggling to find quick yoga practices for myself. So I created uh, an online yoga studio for busy moms, basically. And it was just short yoga videos online. So my whole thing, when we started building the business, we knew we wanted it to be location independent. So I never thought like, oh, I could go teach this in person. It was always like, what can we create that we will allow us to be free? And basically that yoga studio morphed over time to this much more specialized niche. How did you start kind of learning the tools and things that you needed to start transitioning your skill base from in-person yoga to online? Like what was that? How did you start learning? How did you know how to do that? Uh, I didn't. 
did it. So I was very, very fortunate that my husband and I are very much a team in this, you know, like you and Alyssa, like we, we knew that this was a joint vision. Yes, it was going to be a yoga business. So I was going to be the face of it, but we were going to be working together. So my husband was doing a lot of the research on sort of the technical aspects of it, setting up the camera, editing the videos, all of that stuff. And then I was really just working on trying to figure out kind of the best way to deliver yoga in an online setting, because it is very different. It's very different from being in a room with students that I can see and I can touch. And so it was just a lot of trial and error and years. I mean, it, it took years to get it to a point where it felt like, okay, this makes, this is working. This makes sense. So from that first idea that you wanted to be remote and, and be more free so you could spend more time with your daughters, how long of a period was that from like that idea to releasing your first virtual yoga studio? Yeah. So we launched BRB Yoga in, it was January 1st of 2016. So it's been two and a half years that we launched it. She was born in 2012. So it took us a good four years. We tried a couple of other things before then that just didn't really pan out. And then this really seemed to be the way to go. Um, but it took us a long time to build it up. And I'm presuming you didn't really have like an audience. Uh, you may have had like people in Nashville, I guess, who, who knew you taught yoga and things like that. But you didn't have like a online following or anything like that to just say, Hey, I've got a yoga studio or yoga classes that you can take online now. No, I, no, we had no audience at all because at that point I hadn't been teaching for years in person because my daughter had been, was little and I was still working full time. So we had no audience and we like launched it. I remember we launched it. It was like, you know, New Year's Eve and we were working feverishly to get the website ready and we like launched it. And then it was like, well, now what? We don't even have anyone to send it out to because we hadn't built the audience at all, but it still felt so good to have it made. But then of course, those first few months, it, it was very, very slow. And the challenge that we faced was that an online yoga studio is a very low price point. It's like a monthly membership and you know, you really can't charge more than $19 a month because that's what everybody else is charging out there. And so we very quickly realized that we were going to have to market to a billion people in order to get any sort of monthly revenue that would sustain us. We probably should have done that math before, <laughs> but we were just, you know, building something. <laughs> I mean, Alyssa and I, we don't do them as much anymore, but when we did a lot of, uh, we did video courses for clients. So we'd go in and film and kind of help them put together plans to launch their courses and things like that. And one thing that I always, I started noticing was like, there's a, people have a tendency to create something like maybe there's a pain point, like they have a knowledge base in a subject. So they go out, create a course because everyone's asking how to do this one thing. They go out and do it. They launch it. You know, maybe they sell five to $10,000 worth of uh, memberships and people are happy. It's great. But then it kind of fizzles out and they don't actually do anything with it. You know, like that to me, the hardest part is not like building a product that people buy and get excited about one time. And I'm talking specifically, I guess, within like virtual products like this, because it just seems like they fizzle out over time. So I'm kind of curious to see like, how have you went? Uh, you So you launched, you had the membership. So then you decided to shift to creating more of, I guess, like almost like a course model for people to buy yeah. into your online yoga studio. So how have you kind of went about making sure that it didn't fizzle out, but it continues to grow and kind of what does that look like for you? 
Yeah. So th- this that's a really great question. And it's something that, that has really been the focus of at least the past year and a half of our lives. So yeah, as you say, we had that membership site and it was just, we realized it was going to be unsustainable. So during that time I was building the audience, building the Facebook group, doing all that stuff. I had I, our Facebook page. I also had that uh, Facebook group and I was starting to put different information out there. And as I said, I had struggled with that diastasis recti. And so I, and I knew other moms were too. Uh, so I started just putting some information out there, like, you know, you shouldn't really be doing crunches after you have a baby. You shouldn't be doing planks. Um, just these things that, that people might not know about. And every time I put that information out there, I would get a big flurry of activity on the Facebook page. It was just clear that that was information that people were resonating with and they needed help with. So it was like, okay, the pain point became very clear. And this is a very genuine pain point for women. Like I I have to be so transparent that this isn't just like an, oh, this kind of bothers me. This is like, oh, this creates pain in their life. It makes them unable to play fully with their children. Like, this is something that they really want to get rid of. Excuse me for being like an ignorant male who has <laughs> never had a baby and doesn't have sisters or not that sisters would matter. The point is, I haven't been around in this process very much. So right. the the main thing is like after you give birth, it's uh, I was reading on your website and I was trying to better understand it. But maybe you can help me understand it a little bit better. Like, yeah, your your body I'm not even going to try to ex- explain it because I'm going to sound really bad. But yeah, you, you Let do me it. Tell you. Okay. So when you're pregnant, your abdominal muscles have to separate to make room for your stomach to grow big enough for the baby, right? So the connective tissue, there's like this connective tissue that goes down the center line of your stomach and it gets really thin and weak because it's stretching to allow those muscles to move apart from each other so that there's room for the baby. Then you have the baby and there are certain things you can do after you have your baby to help bring it back together, but nobody knows about this stuff. Nobody teaches this to women. What we say to women who have had a baby, which is a crazy culture, says, hey, you had a baby six weeks ago. Awesome. You can go do whatever you did before you got pregnant. So these women will start going to like a power yoga class or go on a three mile run and their core is literally broken at that point. And then it creates all of this extra damage. And, and, you know, you know that the core is really the support for your entire torso. So if your core is weak and it continues to be weak, you don't have support in your back. You, it also stabilizes the pelvis. So you can have a lot of pelvis issues. This is why women make jokes about peeing themselves after they have babies. Maybe you don't know about that, but that's a thing. And <laughs> it's because they're, they're, the floor of their pelvis is weak and it hasn't been brought back together. God bless women for what they go through to like bring a child. In. It's like seriously, like props seriously. to every woman. Yeah. Yeah. So you went through this and you talked about it openly. And so ultimately, did you start realizing that maybe instead of having a general yoga studio, maybe it made more sense to focus in on this one particular pain point that women have after giving birth and really just go into helping women in that phase? Exactly. I think the more I learned about online business, the more I realized it was so noisy. There are a million online yoga studios out there. And there are ones out there that have way more resources than I would have, right? Like there's yoga glow is like a giant one. And they have, you know, probably 30 yoga teachers teaching in their online studio. So I was competing with this, these very much bigger companies. And I realized that it was going to be very challenging 
And it really also was hard for me actually to picture the woman that I was creating yoga videos for at that point, because I wasn't being specific enough. So once I started talking more about this issue and had people, you know, resonating with it and ask me questions about it. And, and I was finding so many women who just like me loved yoga, thought yoga was so good for them. But once they had a baby, they went back to it and it made them feel worse. So they were giving up their yoga practice. It was when I was like, okay, no, this is a real thing. And and this is something that isn't really out there that I can not just, you know, give to people, but but I'm very well suited for it because it is about, it's so much about alignment and, and anatomy and that stuff that I love anyway. So I actually ended up selling the course before I had created it uh, in this case, rather than building something and then, and then like putting it out there. And it was, you know, the beta version, I didn't have to market it at all. I just had a small Facebook group and I was able to get 30 people in it right away. So I was like, okay, this is, this is a real thing. And so since then, to go back to that original question, to maintain the momentum, to really kind of keep it moving, you know, because especially in an online world, you have to keep getting this in front of new eyes. What I have found is a pretty great automated funnel for this that allows me to give some really good value to women and introduce the course to them, basically. So the course is Heal Your Core with Yoga. It's an eight-week, six-module program, and it goes through everything you need to know, and it we do a ton of yoga within it. So in thinking about kind of, well, what's a good prerequisite for that. Like what would give people a good taste of this? I created a webinar that that basically talks people about what they need to do to modify yoga to actually make it safe for them if they have this diastasis recti, this abdominal separation. So it's very educational and it is a way that really allows them to so for all these women who are like, I want to do yoga, but I don't know how to do it. It's a really good entry point for them because I go through the yoga poses they shouldn't be doing. I go through some changes they should make in their alignment in order to just strengthen their core in yoga and kind of all day, every day, and then talk about the the program itself. I'm kind of curious, how do you actually find women and catch them at the right time? Like, where they're actually going through this process. Is it because they already kind of follow the blog or how, you know what I mean? Cause it's such a f- point. It's like right after they have given birth. So how do you actually like find them in that stage of their life? Right. So we spend a lot of money on Facebook ads. Facebook gets a lot of our money. And I think because it is such a specific problem, we've been really successful with it just retargeting people who have been to the website or who have been on the webinar or who have purchased the program. Um, I think there's a very specific type of person. And so using that retargeting, we have been able to do really well with ads. And I think also because it is, it's something, it is this real pain point and it's something that women do talk about a little bit. In our ads, we're, we're always getting people tagging people. Like, so it's like, it may, it may not work for that woman, but she'll tag her friend who will sign up for the webinar because, you know, women talk and you know <laughs> if your friend likes yoga, but sure, her core is hurting her. It's like, oh, that's so relevant. And so I think one of the keys how very specific we have been in all of our marketing. You know, there was a time period where I was trying to do just kind of like, oh, this is general, you know, core strengthening and pelvic floor strengthening. And that was not working as well as, no, this is for when you have this specific condition and you want to do yoga. 
So it was scary at the beginning to get that specific. Yeah. Was there, was there a fear around like, I'm going to be known as just the person who teaches yoga for after women give birth? Uh, no, actually, I would love that. I would love if that's what I am. I think it was more just there's not enough audience out there. And I think the other key, though, is that what I have done to make sure that that webinar continues to be the most relevant it can be is that it's not just like I did it once and then let it go. So we continue to do it live on a regular basis so that in that live version, I am able to have the conversations with people, figure out what their main pain point is and address those in the next one. And, you know, when I record it as an evergreen webinar, right, then I can answer the questions that people have asked on every webinar in the past. So it still feels relatively personal. I mean, I get lots of emails about the webinar just being like, thank you, that was so valuable. And I really appreciate that. And so I feel pretty good about that because it, you know, I know the the idea of an evergreen funnel, like all of those things, it, it can feel very impersonal. But if you just keep grounding it in the actual people that you're serving and continue to connect with them, uh, so you make sure that you continue to serve them, I think it can can really help eliminate that feeling of detachment. So whenever you're setting up a webinar, so you guys, uh, I mean, this kind of goes, I guess, back to. The original question, which was, how do you launch a product, a virtual product, and continue bringing more people into the ecosystem? So it sounds like you guys are doing a couple of things. When people hit your website, you're, re- you're remarketing to them on Facebook uh, mm-hmm. via Facebook ads. So somebody lands on your site and it picks up, a, I guess, like a pixel. You put an ad pixel on your website and then you set it up right. to remarket them to, on Facebook. And then you remarket them something along the lines of maybe like a webinar. And so, and then I guess you're also just randomly marketing to maybe pregnant women on Facebook. It's more actually, it's less of retargeting people who have already visited the site and more a lookalike audience. So in Facebook, you can say, okay, of all the people who have been on my site, I want to create a, you can create an audience that's either like a million people or 2 million people that have very similar characteristics. So in my case, right, I imagine the women who are on my site have recently had babies. And so then when I create a lookalike audience in Facebook, it ends up being they're delivering the ad to completely new people, people who do not know me, but who look very similar to the people who have already purchased from me or visited the website. Have you come up with a number for I guess, a cost per customer acquisition number? I mean, you've been doing this now for, I guess, like a year and a half. Like, do you have yeah. a rough idea of what it costs? Like if you run an ad, you find somebody, they join your webinar, like how many people do you need to join before they convert? Right. So it's very interesting because, well, first, I wish I could just give you the one number, but we have been, you know, continuing to test and and some things work better than others. So first of all, when we do it live, it always works better. A live webinar converts higher than an automated one. So that the cost is actually pretty, I don't have the exact number, but the program itself costs about $250. And we are, our goal is to get acquisition of about $50 per person. It does not always go that well. Like right this month in March, I don't know what happened. We actually recorded a new automated webinar and it doesn't seem to be converting as well. So now we're about at like $80 per person. So it varies. 
No, that makes sense. And another thing that we had, you had kind of talked about is just like how to go about creating webinars that feel not, that don't feel impersonal, that feel authentic. And it sounds like live is a good way to go. And I kind of struggle with this because like we have a free email course on how to travel for two grand a month. It's kind of just a free thing that we created after our first year of travel. And it's kind of been like our little flagship free opt-in and we don't sell anything in it. We have like a couple affiliate links and stuff like that. And I love having it because it's like day one through seven and it's all happening and I'm not touching it. So I kind of have this weird love hate relationship where I, I want to be authentic and I want to be real and all this stuff, but I also love automating things and it feels really good to know that it's happening when I'm not being there. So I'm just kind of wondering like, where do you kind of balance that when you have a paid product? So, I mean, I, I, I really try to, to like believe fully because it's true that I can't help someone unless they pay me. (laughs) I can't help someone to the extent that they need to be helped unless they decide to join the course. So, so in that case, it's like, well, I want to get this webinar in front of as many people as possible. And then in terms of actually encouraging them to sign up right away, because again, they could watch that webinar and then the odds that they're actually going to take action are minimal because they're doing other things and you know they forget. So then we've worked to give we use deadline funnel in in our funnel and that gives them a discount, a pretty significant discount if they sign up within the first like 6 days of watching that webinar. So they get $100 off the course. And I think that again, that doesn't make it feel more personal, but but at least it is kind of like, hey, thanks. <laughs> thanks for taking the time to watch this. I appreciate that you've done that. And, and here is a gift for you to take action on this. I love that. What kind of advice would you give to somebody who has a knowledge or has went through some type of experience that people ask them about similar to you uh, and maybe is thinking about productizing it or creating a course? Uh, my friend Nathan Berry runs ConvertKit and his tagline is teach everything you know. Uh, it's on my laptop. So what, what kind of <laughs> advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about creating some type of product, but maybe they're afraid? Yeah. So it's very scary, but you have, you know, you work through the fear. I think that that for me, it's interesting that like teach everything, you know, I, I agree with that, but I also know that, right. So I've been working on this one course. This is my, this is our only product. It currently supports our entire family from this one product. And, and I'm very glad that I spent that amount of time figuring out because it's not just so I think the other part of your question sorry I'm not I'm going to answer that question but <laughs> I want to go back to the other question because it's like okay the personal funnel so I have come to the conclusion that the funnel it's okay if it's a little less personal because once they come into the program they come into we have a private Facebook group and there it is it is a such a active, vibrant community where I am going live every week, answering their questions. I am giving them, you know, I'm living in there every day. Uh, They are supporting each other. And so it's like you give enough of yourself in that automated funnel so that they, they know, (laughs) and they believe you give them examples of what they're going to get when they join the community, right? Like I can, I can show examples of the Q and A's that we do in the Facebook group. So they can see like, okay, no, I'm really going to be supported once I get into this program. So 
I totally lost my train of thought. Why was I saying that? Because it was like, okay, so you do that um, and you get them in. And and I believe that I could not have had this program working so well to the point it is now where people come in, they're referring their friends, they're getting excellent results. If I had made this one product and then a month later made a different product, it, it required like two years of my life to get this to a point where actually tomorrow I'm launching a tiered version of this program where it will actually have the first sort of completely passive component of the program where people can just get the content and not be part of the community. But it took me two years to get to a point where I felt like I had all the information and all the pieces right in order to be able to do that passively. So I would say teach one thing that you know until you get that working so well. Because as entrepreneurs, it's so easy to jump to the next thing because you have lots of ideas. But once you get one thing working really well, it gives you the freedom to now it's like, okay, now I've got this working. Now I'm going to make this other thing and that thing. But it took me two years to get that working. How did you know that it was working? (laughs) Um, It got to the point where I could anticipate what questions were going to be asked. So, so when everyone joins, they get, uh, they are part of a Facebook group. And like I said, I do weekly live Q and A's in that group. So they, they ask their questions in advance. And at this point I can't anticipate every question that's going to come up. And so almost every, every once in a while, there's a, a curveball in there, but almost everyone. And so I, then I could go put those answers into a more passive version of it because I know what people are going to ask. I know where they get stuck. I know where they need a little extra coaching. I know all of those places where they struggle because I've taken at this point, almost 500 women through the program. So I know it took that much to figure out where all the sticking points were. What do you think has been like the most effective thing that you've done to grow BRB yoga? If you had to look at one thing over the past year and a half, like, and, and kind of pluck it out and, and say, like, I wouldn't have been successful if I wouldn't have done this one thing. What would that be? Mm, that's a good question. Um, live webinars. And what tools do you use to run your webinars? We do Crowdcast as our live webinar tool. Awesome. Because that not only is it then, okay, you're connecting with your customers, right? It's a great way to have a two-way conversation with your customers or your potential customers. It's a great way to get people to actually join your program. But then it also becomes a tool that you can then use in a more automated funnel because now you have this recording that you can take and kind of plunk it into an automated funnel. So it it is it really allows you to get your work out there in a more exponential way. This is the last question I have for you, but mm-hmm. uh, and I ask this at every episode, but what does success look like for you in this lifestyle as you're building BRB yoga, traveling with your family, and exploring new places across the country? Yeah. So success for me today, uh, like I said, I've been working on my mindset. So these days, success for me is really feeling very abundant in my life and in my lifestyle. So appreciating the beautiful places that we're able to visit and feeling really comfortable in just trusting that, that we are working to build also financial abundance for our family. I love it. Where is a good place for people to connect with you, Catherine? 
uh, uh, you can go to my website at brbyoga.com or um, Facebook is where I tend to live. I've got to start Instagram soon. It's uh, facebook.com slash brb, like be right back yoga. I did notice you've got, uh, you know, your three pictures on Instagram. I was creeping on you before the call. So uh, where can people find you on Instagram? And by the time they find you, let's say that you'll have six photos on there. Oh, what is it? Because I don't even know what my handle is on Instagram. That is so embarrassing. Is it BRB Yoga? I, t- I typed in BRB Yoga and found you on Instagram. So go give Catherine a like on Instagram and say what's up to her. Tell her you enjoyed her having her on the podcast. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Catherine. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Keith. I really appreciate it and what you and Alyssa do. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to grab the show notes, head on over to heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. All the links and everything we mentioned in this episode are over there. I always love hearing from y'all in iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, Reviews are amazing, and they seriously help power this podcast Uh, because getting in there and seeing the encouragement from you guys is is incredible. If there's anything you want to hear on the podcast, feel free to drop it in a note on Instagram, Twitter, at Heath and Alyssa, and uh, I will see you guys next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.